Welcome to the Pentecost Podcast. I am your host, Ewan Epsworth. The Pentecost Podcast is a podcast dedicated to exploring Pentecostal theology and history. If you're a Pentecostal who's passionate about theology, or a Christian who's open but cautious to the gifts of the Spirit, or someone discovering Pentecostalism for the first time, then join me in exploring Pentecostal theology and history through this podcast. We're at episode five already. Thank you to everyone who has listened to my previous four episodes and followed me on Twitter, or should I say X. I've been surveying the basics of Pentecostal theology by discussing chapters from the Routledge Handbook of Pentecostal Theology. In the previous episode, I began a new section looking at sources of theology. If you've not listened yet to episode four, I encourage you to go back and listen to it after this episode, as we looked at Pentecost itself as a source of divine revelation. This episode, we're going to explore our next source of theology, Scripture. Quote, Scripture is understood by Pentecostals to be a lively rather than a sedentary speaking of God's word, in that the Spirit both spoke to and through the inspired authors and speaks anew to the contemporary hearers of the word. And because, for Pentecostals, the emphasis is decidedly on the latter, a right hearing of the word depends not simply on bridging the gap between the world of the original author and that of the present-day hearer, but on being yielded to a spirit who is able to speak into both worlds, end quote. I think this quotation epitomizes my experience thus far with Pentecostal theology in relation to the reading and interpreting of scripture. As the senior pastor of my own church says, the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. This encompasses both worlds, the world of scripture and our own world as the contemporary church. Again, in the expectation that the spirit continues to speak anew through the reading of scripture and our yieldedness to the voice of the spirit, my church uses a model of scripture reading we call journaling. Reading scripture and prayerfully seeking what is known as a rhema word from it, meaning a timely God-inspired word that is relevant to our circumstances and speaks into our lives and situations has been paradigm changing for me personally and has enriched my reading of scripture. The chapter goes on to say, quote, Pentecostals do differ from fundamentalists in that the text does not have authority in itself. Rather, it is the Bible as interpreted by the inner working of the spirit that is authoritative, end quote. This distinction is, I will admit, one of the more confronting aspects of the distinctiveness of Pentecostal theology in relation to the nature of scripture for me. Growing up Anglican and having previously worshipped in both Baptist and Evangelical churches, I have been influenced by a strong commitment to the authoritative nature of scripture as articulated in the Reformation doctrine of Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura is the famous principle upon which Martin Luther made his defiant stand against his Roman Catholic accusers at the Diet of Worms when he uttered those words that have captured the hearts of Protestants ever since. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. In his book, The Shape of Sola Scriptura, 
Keith A. Matheson delineates four positions on the nature of scripture and tradition that have emerged over the course of church history. These he labels Tradition 1, Tradition 2, Tradition 3, and Tradition 0. Tradition 1 refers to the conception of the authority of scripture developed over the first few centuries in church history, in which scripture is interpreted according to the rule of faith, or regular fide. Think the Apostles' Creed. Within this position, scripture and tradition were not two separate sources of infallible revelation, as later taught by the Roman Catholic Church, but rather mutually compatible concepts. Oral tradition, as articulated in the rule of faith, was the faithful expression and articulation of scripture, the principle by which to interpret scripture, and scripture was the deposit of apostolic teaching and the standard by which the rule of faith was to be held. This is in contrast with Tradition 2, which sees scripture and church tradition, sometimes referred to as capital T tradition, held by the Catholic Church as equally authoritative. It is also in contrast to Tradition 0, in which scripture is divorced from any form of tradition whatsoever. How does this excursion into the nature of Sola Scriptura relate to the chapter on Pentecostal theology of Scripture? As I mentioned, the view expressed in the chapter on the difference between Pentecostal and more fundamentalist approaches to the authority of Scripture is still something I am working through in my own theology. Nevertheless, even within more classical Protestant traditions such as Lutheranism, Calvinism and Anglicanism, there is disagreement over the interpretation of Scripture even if they agree on its authoritative nature. Given these disagreements, while the text does have authority in itself, being by nature God-breathed, as 2 Timothy 3.16 teaches, it strikes me that the Holy Spirit must play an important role in its interpretation and preservation, since otherwise we can come to contradictory interpretations of the text despite our best scholarship. Moreover, the very reason for the rule of faith in the early church was because of cults like Gnosticism twisting scripture. Indeed, if the authority of scripture came directly from the very letters themselves, then Jesus would have been compelled to listen to Satan's temptation when he utilized scripture in an effort to make Jesus stumble. We know, though, instinctively, that scripture must be read in its proper context and that there are bad faith readings of scripture. Then, there are the more difficult passages of scripture that all admit are hard to interpret. Even Peter says that some of Paul's writings are difficult to understand. And then there is the difference between the letter and the spirit of the text. As 2 Corinthians 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. This does not mean to say that there is no disagreement within Pentecostalism as to how the Bible should be viewed. In fact, it is the existence of this very tension within its own schools of thought that the chapter goes on to explore. In a section of the chapter titled Strange Bedfellows, Evangelicalism, Word of Faith and Postmodernism, the chapter explores the various competing influences that have shaped Pentecostal doctrine vis-a-vis -vis scripture over the 20th and 21st centuries. Whether it be a high view of scripture and the uh, universal truth claims within evangelicalism, the continued power of the spirit in the word of faith movement, 
or the more subjective experience of postmodern individualism, each bedfellow shares certain common values with Pentecostalism, while also, at other points, is in direct conflict with classical Pentecostalism. What are my key takeaways from this chapter? Pentecostalism is not a monolith and has been shaped and influenced by various cultural factors, whether it's American evangelicalism, the word of faith movement that came out of Africa, or postmodern individualism of the 21st century. Yet, there is also increasing self-awareness and conscious effort to reevaluate and define its core theological doctrines in order to resolve these tensions and internal conflicts. One thing I found most encouraging is the rejection of a purely postmodern rejection of objective and universal truth. While for Pentecostals, a more individualistic approach to scripture is a touchpoint with the individualism of postmodernism. In the words of the chapter, quote, both the experiences recorded in the Bible and their reflections in the lives of Pentecostals are experiences of encounter with God, the active agent who places limits on their readings and who makes exclusive claims on their beliefs, end quote. It is these God-imposed limitations and exclusive truth claims that make a male tradition one, aka rule of faith, approach to the authority of scripture and the Pentecostal emphasis on the inner working and illumination of the spirit through scripture, compatible and I might even say even complementary. For both my reading of Pentecostal theology and my experience of Pentecostalism, I can say that scripture plays a central role in discipleship and doctrine and is a primary source of revelation in the life of the believer. Indeed, evidence for the original premise at the start of this podcast, that the Holy Spirit both inspired the biblical authors and continues to inspire the Bible's interpretation today, can be found in scripture. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 to 11 says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Here, Paul makes several allusions to the Old Testament, specifically the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Paul says they were recorded as examples for the church to learn from, not to fall into the idolatry or the sexual immorality of the Israelites. Indeed, he even says explicitly that they were recorded for our instruction. Did Moses write to Paul or the Christians at Corinth? No. Moses lived roughly 1,500 years before Jesus or Paul. Moses' audience were the Israelites whom he led out of Egypt during the Exodus. Yet, under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the Pentateuch which would later serve as an example and warning to the church, as interpreted and applied by Paul, himself under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit while writing his letter to the Corinthians, and thus establishing the precedent and biblical warrant of spirit-led interpretation of scripture for new covenant believers.
Indeed, it is Pentecostal's very commitment to the authority of Scripture in its purest and most basic meaning that has been attributed to Christianity's revival in the 20th century and one of the reasons why Pentecostalism has seen so much church growth globally. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and help by sharing this podcast with your church, family and friends. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'll catch you in the next one.